If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. You're listening to Bigfoot Eyewitness Radio. For centuries, eyewitnesses have reported seeing giant creatures in the woods of North America and beyond. These forest giants have been known by many names, including Sasquatch, Oma, Yowie, Yeti, and their most commonly used name, Bigfoot. Join us as eyewitnesses share the details of their encounters with these forest giants on the show. And now your host, Vic Cundiff. Hi everyone, thanks for listening. If you've had a Bigfoot encounter of your own and would like to be a guest on the show, please go to BigfootEyewitness.com and submit a report. I'd love to hear from you. I'm Chris Dawson. I am the director of the upcoming movie, The Woodwoose, Walking with the Wild Man 2. Tonight, I have the full cast of the new movie. Alongside me, I have Jim Bradley, who was alongside me in the first film in the series, Walking with the Wild Man. And we've got our new addition to the team, Ron Madden, who has unwillingly maybe come along to join the ride and has got sort of stuck in the loop as he went but of course Brent Thomas is also here Brent Thomas is the film narrator Brent has kindly put his services to work on the new film and has been a great addition to the film in my view first of all I'd like to say maybe with Vic's listeners if the cast are mine back to roughly this time last year we did a couple of shows with Vic for the first film in the series, Walking with the Wild Man, and we chatted about different encounters that we had had in our own personal research, and then, of course, we chatted about the film, of course, as well. But the new film, The Woodwoose, Walking with the Wild Man 2, is a completely different kettle of fish. The first one was Jim Bradley and myself, and we had a little bit of help from young Ben Kiernan on the way, but... Mainly it was Jim and I who battled through most of it ourselves, even tried a bit of narration ourselves too, which of course, you know, me personally wouldn't be the person to like hearing my own voice too much. So the ultimate decision was to get somebody new. And I think as Brent is the new addition to the team, I'm going to introduce Brent to you guys first. Brent was brought on after doing a little short voiceover for the trailer for Walking with the Wild Man and it was the given that I would go straight back and ask them to come along and do the full narration for the Woodboose and of course Brent 
is Brent, you're in California, yeah? No, I'm actually in the north tip of Idaho, but I'm on the Pacific time zone. So, yeah. So, Brent, what was your initial reaction, first of all, of being asked, you know, to come along on this massive raid that so far has taken nine months to complete? It's been an incredible journey. I was obviously really honored, first of all, to be asked because, you know, I mean, it's it's a real compliment to be asked to be a voice for something as powerful and, and poignant as this was. And this whole project was absolutely amazing. But it was one of those things. I've not done any professional narration prior. So it's one of those things where you walk into it going, oh, you know, am I going to do this justice? Is it going to be really awkward or hard? But it was very natural. It was really fantastic to be able to go through the film with you guys and uh, to look at the action and look at the things going on and put that into words and try to tie things together. And it was a great honor. I really had a blast doing it. Of course, you gave me a lot of latitude in creating those narration pieces, and I was really honored with that because, you know, of course, anybody can regurgitate words, but it really let me insert a part of myself into the process, and that that was incredible for me because, you know, to have a chance to walk along with you guys in the form of my voice and to be a part of the whole experience. So it was an absolute honor, and I, I just had a blast. And, of course, the other main cast member that we have brought on board is Ron Madden. Ron actually was brought on to the Woodbush initially just as an independent adjudicator, basically. And because of what happened, if anybody has seen Welcome with the Wild Man, because of the footage that was captured, um, which actually wasn't noticed until after the film was completed, then it was a whole Russian match to edit in that footage to the end of the first film. But of course, because Jim and I were both there on that night, that happened, Jim felt that we should have somebody else in to come in and measure up and weigh up what exactly happened and his personal perspective on it. And Ron was brought in from day one to do that. We didn't want to keep it too long, obviously in the same area for the new film, but certainly Ron Madden is our new researcher on the Wildman team. And Ron, what way did you feel, first of all, about initially being brought into basically from knowing nothing about it to be being through the limelight in a film on Bigfoot. It was a big shock for me anyway, the first day of filming, because obviously I was researching that day and I was not so much the skeptic, but I had to prove or falsify what actually happened in Markham at the Wildman Part 1, which was the eye glow or the eye shine. So my own initial thoughts on it where today were, it was pretty, um, how would you say, comprehensive to me, that would be the word for it. And that kind of sucked me in. Then after that, the rest is kind of following on now. And of course, the last introduction I have to give for the listeners, Vic, is Jim Bradley, of course, himself. Jim was alongside myself in Welcome with the Wild Man. He's obviously part of the team for the Woodboose as well. And Jim, I'm sure you're glad to be back on the trail of the Woodboose. Yeah, good evening, folks. We had a blast. We, I have to say uh, this documentary, the second part, has been a roller coaster ride, to say the least. The things we did, the things we found, we can't really, uh, we're not going to really discuss any of it here because we don't want to spoil it for the folks. But um, 
definitely it's been a blast uh, compared to part one. But yeah, it's uh, we knew we sort of knew from the end of part one that we were going to continue this journey. And uh, we decided nearly straight away that myself and Chris decided that we were going to extend it to another part. Uh, which we have, which is uh, complete now at the moment, just a little bit more editing and a few other bits and pieces to be done. But uh, yeah, it's been a roller coaster, Chris, uh, as I say. Uh, and Ron has been brought on, as he said at the very start, and he is now a very valued member of the team and uh, he is my vice president in the organization at the moment. So Chris is the director of the movie. He's also in charge of advertising and stuff like that, technical stuff, and he's very good at that. And for the next two years, I'm the president of the organization, the Irish Bigfoot Research Organization. So, And when Brent was uh, brought on, it was a game changer, an absolute game changer. His voice was perfect for it. He came in and then did, uh, as Chris says, the short trailer for us first. And we knew from the get-go that was uh, we needed Brent along with us. And he kindly has come with us on this journey. So, yeah, it's been a blast. How early did you have an indication that there was definitely going to be a part two of the first one, or did you have any inclination that even from maybe day one in part one that you would do a second one? We had to sit down. Initially, we started off organising part one, which was uh, took us a while to get off the ground. There was uh, a few issues, technical issues and bits and pieces, and between jurisdictions, I'm south of the border in the Republic of Ireland, and myself and Ron are down here. Chris is north of the border in Northern Ireland, which is part of the UK. Same country, but there's a border in between the two lands, so uh, jurisdictions was a bit of a problem with uh, bits and pieces of equipment. But initially, we got part one organised, and when myself and Chris sat down to review on the big uh, 65-inch screen, I think Chris has there in the house, and we sat down, to finally watch the whole documentary with notepads on our lap, trying to make decisions of what we're going to do, what's going to leave in and cut out or whatever and add bits. Uh, we were shocked at what we found. And initially from that moment, we knew that we had to, part two was a definite. We had to evaluate this, investigate it you know, thoroughly into what we've seen. So that, uh, to answer your question, Chris, was 100% we needed part two to do that. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with Midi Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at Midi understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And Midi can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. Midi clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 
91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at MIDI Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Um, just back to yourself, Ron, quickly. Whenever you were first brought on, obviously we're not going to hide the fact that, like Jim said, we're not going to create any spoilers here to spoil the film for anyone. But Ron, it was a given that we had to confirm or deny that what happened at the end of part one obviously we're not going to tell, tell them the outcome of that to spoil it but did you ever dream that you know whenever you came and done that that you know all of a sudden after that you'd be going to the next spot and to the next spot and the next spot and so on at first i didn't really think about it um i was under the impression at the time when i got speaking to jim first that it wasn't possible that we'd have any type creature on this island. When I was watching the first documentary, I watched it independently. Obviously, uh, I had no uh, affiliation with yourselves at the time when I watched it. But as soon as I did, I was kind of over and back with Jim in a chat. And I was amazed by what I had seen in it. And that's when Jim asked me to jump on board. After that day above, even including everything that happened that day off film in that area, it was a given for me then that I had to, personally anyway, I had to go forward with you for my own uh, research. And this new documentary now is just a bonus to me, you know, and I'm delighted to be a part of it. And Brent, you've probably, well, I want to say you've probably seen more of the film than I actually have, and that is probably true because when you're a director and an editor, I'm basically going through what I see in, on a timeline, matching up audio levels, the visuals to make sure the fit and all these sorts of things, but you're one of the only guys, Brent, who have actually watched this film from top to bottom. I know it's not just quite finished just at the moment, but... Out of all, all of us, you have you have actually seen it from start to finish, and I know we're not we don't want to give spoilers away, but is there any bits in the film, Brent, that maybe you felt were going to maybe cause some obstacles for yourself, or did you feel sort of a, a straight ride through? I think there was a great continuity to it from start to finish. Obviously, starting up, you know, right where you left off, I thought that was great, and and then the journey afterwards was, I mean, it was it made sense. It was really good flow from place to place. What I really enjoyed was you guys took a really comprehensive approach to it all. You didn't just rely on, you know, one set of methodologies. You incorporated so many uh, unique and, and great ideas from technology to just practices and ways to conduct the investigations. I was really, really impressed by all of that. You really, honestly, I felt like you left no stone unturned 
Um, you guys came at it from many different directions. And I really respected that because a lot of people just get stuck in this is what we do and this is how we do it. And uh, generally end up with either the same or less results. But you guys came at it really innovatively. And I really thought that was phenomenal. And I think that that's what's necessary. I don't think you can approach this in a real static way because there's so much that's unknown. you know. And so you guys were out there just uh, really dynamically coming at each investigation and each segment of it. And I, I was really impressed by that. You guys did a really a great job. And of course, your, your job too, Brent, is um, the benefit of things in, in other ways. Again, I don't want to tell the folks exactly what was captured, but <laughs> your job actually, and you know, obviously you had to go through the top film top to bottom. So you actually made some suggestions yourself, you know, should this be changed or should that be changed or should we have this or that instead? While that was happening, you actually um, triggered the finding of, of some more footage that was a bit incredible. Yeah, and I really appreciate that too, by the way. That's, it would have been easy for you guys to go, you know, this is your role. Now stay in your kennel and we'll, you know, <laughs> spit out the words and that's it. Mm-hmm. But you guys, you guys really made me a part of the process, which was phenomenal. And, uh, you know, I was, I was a little hesitant at first, I have to admit, because, you know, somebody's work is there's pride wrapped up in it. And I was like, God, you know, do I suggest this? Do I, do I put out these ideas that just came to me? Is that going to be like stepping on somebody's toes? But you guys were so amazing and gracious. And Chris, you were so welcoming of anything that I brought to the table. And and that's what really made it incredible was being able to be not only a voice, but to be allowed to be an integral part of the process. That's what made it phenomenal. I think too, it was, it was in part, but I felt it was important to bridge the pond. Like we're all Irish guys, some American folks or whatever, some even some English folks might have un- trouble understanding what we're saying at times. I try to talk, you know, as slow as I can in most <laughs> cases, but you know yourself, you do tend to ramble off with a little bit quick sometimes. But I, th- I thought, too, obviously, your voice is perfect for the role. And mm-hmm. I thought at the same time, too, to bridge the pond between the States and Ireland and to have that connection a- across the pond, you know, it was was fantastic. Yeah, and I think we might have set a record for social distancing too, which is probably important. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Jim and Ron, actually, I'm sure the guys here, this, their listeners, Vic, I'm sure they want to hear some stories that we can tell you. And of course, those are the ones that ultimately all this happen off camera. So, I mean, we're out in no one active Woodwoosh territory. These, these places, Vic, that we go to, they're scouted out, they're researched and researched and scouted out again. And whenever we go out to these places, obviously we want to go to somewhere number one, what has a site and a report or has some indication of previous woodwoose activity. And number two, the habitat is important. And obviously the evidence, if we go out and scout out and look for evidence, certain amounts of evidence, and if we see that, well, then we'll say, okay, right, we're going to go here. So it's inevitable that when we're sitting having our lunch, that something's going to happen or the cameras are turned off and we have a, a cigarette, something's going to happen. And we'll go to Jim Bradley first. Jim has a couple of things there to let off that uh, happened when the cameras were switched off. Yeah, indeed. It was the first day of filming part two. 
as you know, Ron came along that day. We introduced Ron. I brought Ron up and he came and, and we met uh, Chris and we were doing a bit of filming that morning. Uh, so we came to about, uh, I think it was around half past 11 in the morning, maybe 12 o'clock noon. And we decided to have, uh, it was actually very cold. So we uh, we set up a bit of a, we opened up a big ground sheet and we set up some uh, soup and sandwiches and coffee or whatever, you know. And uh, we, uh, cameraman was with us uh, and uh, Ron and the cameraman Ben, we sent them back to the vehicles to bring back some of the equipment that we didn't need for the second part of filming. So they were coming back and uh, I was uh, talking to Chris and we heard what we thought was, uh, as the classic saying goes, samurai chatter. Further on down the, from where we were, it was only less than, I'd say, 100 yards away. Definitely less than 100 yards. I didn't hear it personally myself, but Chris said, did you hear that? I was, I was too busy setting up a few bits and pieces and that, and uh, my hearing is not great anyway. So the cameraman, Ben and Ron, were coming back from the vehicles to us. They were about 80 yards away. And we heard, I told the guys to stop. I put my hand up and they were chatting, coming down, as you do, chatting away, just in between themselves, coming down. And when I put my hand up, they stopped. And at that moment, when I put my hand up, less than 80 yards from us, further on up the trail, there was this scream. And I've never heard anything like it. It started like a woman screaming, but it then it started to oscillate at the top end and then go very deep. So, uh, that happened and uh, the hairs on my arms were standing up and the boys were frozen to the spot, I think, at that time. But uh, I just want to bring Ron in on this. Uh, Ron, that moment, do you remember exactly? I'll just bring you on and you can tell exactly what your experience was with it. Yeah, exactly as you were saying there. Myself and Ben were walking back and we were just quietly talking away. And I think whatever it was actually made the noise like twice, like two long wails. So by the time we got in view of yourselves, when you told us to stop, it started again. And I thought I caught the end of it the first time, but I wasn't too sure myself. When you put your hand up and we heard it the second time, we were up in a kind of a slightly higher elevation. And that sound was just bellowing all around the area. Like it was a massive sound. And... The vocalization was, it was in like two or three octaves. It just went up really high and down really low. The range and scale of sound from it was uh, was amazing. And there was nothing on this island that could have made that sound. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at MIDI Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal 
changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But MIDI Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. No, exactly. That's what, that's why I wanted to try and bring you in to make a comment on it because you were there at that time. Chris, you were there as well. Uh, what was your opinion on that sound? Well, I heard the chatter, first of all, and in that particular area, that's actually my local squatching area that we return to to measure up the idle. And I have heard the same chatter in that same area a lot. Um, I've heard it all over that area, but in that particular area, I've heard it quite a few times. And to be honest, I've never heard nothing like the scream before. I've heard plenty of whoops and, and all those sorts of things, deep groans and things, but that that was something else. And I think that's why, you know, to be honest, I jumped almost out of my skin. Yeah. There was another time when you got your, uh, you have a little device that goes onto your cell phone. It's thermal vision, a mm-hmm. uh, little device that goes onto your camera. Can you tell us exactly the story I don't think we were there on that day. I think you were there just doing, you know, your local squatching and about the area where it's a bogland, but in this bogland you have like this little sort of big tufts of uh, plantation, very densely packed together. It's like they're nearly like in the shape of sort of igloos, but they're sort of densely woven together. Do you want to tell us about that one, Chris? Yeah, well, Ron had expressed interest in those heaps of um, foliage of whatever they are. I'm not, I'm, even, I'm not even too sure myself, but there's quite a lot of them throughout the bog. And just for Vex listeners in the States and stuff, if they're not too sure what a bog is, a bog is an Irish swamp. So just in case you weren't too sure what I'm talking about. But yeah, Ron was pretty intrigued by these big clumps of uh, foliage. And to be honest, I had seen them before, but I hadn't really paid much attention to them. And um, it was Ron who expressed that interest. And then after filming, I think it was maybe a few days later, I decided to go back out just on my own to uh, investigate and brought the thermal imaging camera with me. And it showed up all these clumps that Jim's talking about. They were all blue, but one of them was red. So I'm not sure, Jim, now, obviously, the rest of them blue and one red is a bit suspicious. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it seems to be there was a lot of heat coming from one of them. So uh, there was something inside and it was uh, 
as the saying goes, it was bigger than a duck. So uh, if it lit up the whole, uh, as you said, it was intense. It was uh, very warm. And uh, from that location you were looking at, can you give an estimate on what size, how big was the glow? Well, it certainly wasn't a duck. I mean, it was the size of a burr. Um, the heat signature that I picked up, um, I'm sure some of the listeners don't know, but there's no burrs in Ireland. We have deer and stuff like that, but that particular area doesn't have any deer. It's a bog, again, a swamp. So the majority of the of the, the bog is sort of four to five feet deep, and in winter it can be up to six feet deep. So the likelihood of a, of a deer getting out there onto that is very, very unlikely. Yeah, indeed. We had, uh, on the day in question of filming, Ron himself tried to sort of uh, negotiate his way out to one of those little uh, tufts. When you say little, they're about 10 foot across by about 10 or 12 foot high. They were like igloos made from bracken and uh, willow wood and stuff like that, but they were densely packed. So uh, I think, Ron, you remember you were trying to get out, and I think he only went about, oh God, you were only gone about 15 feet. And uh, you came back. It was just ridiculous. You just couldn't get out to it. Yeah, very tough terrain to navigate across. And the water was actually very deep beside the trail. And to get out onto that point, geez, even 20 feet, I'd say. And I was still another 20 feet away from two of these mounds or like structures. I don't know what you'd really call them. But uh, very difficult terrain there altogether. Of course, um, that wasn't the only incident that happened during the film. And just while we have you on down there before we head back towards Brent, there was a, a few incidents that happened at the second location in North County Monaghan as well, Ron. Yeah, we had another incident that afternoon at the first location when we were doing a bit of calling, if you recall. Myself and Jim were together and you were down about one and a half kilometres the other side of the bog. And you let off a call. And if you remember, you got a bit choked up when you did it the first time. You were kind of laughing over yeah. and back over the radios. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you did a second call. And literally two seconds later, we had a call come from almost behind us in the opposite direction. And myself and Jim were looking at each other as if to say, like, well, did you hear that? And we were there. Yes, we heard that. And then we radio back to you and ask you, did you do two calls in a row? And you said no. <laughs> no and the reason why I didn't was because I'd done the first one and choked and choked and choked <laughs> I think I choked that much yeah. I was almost sick and, and the cameraman was laughing his head off at me so it definitely wasn't me the second one so Ron then on to North County Monaghan then we didn't actually hear nothing but you and Ben the cameraman had been off yourselves and you'd heard a few strange noises in the woods on that occasion as well yeah, I think we did hear one or two things. We had the parabolic mic with us that day as well. But on one occasion, myself and Jim had went off to another spot and I was walking down about 15 feet in front of Jim. Jim was on the radio to you, I think, over and back. And I got what sounded like a growl from the the woods, which was up in a slight elevation to the trail that we were on. But it sounded more like uh, a big cat. Now, we've had maybe 40, 50 sightings of wild cats in Ireland that are on the loose. 
and they're mainly Black Panthers. Hence why that you'll see in the documentary that myself and Jim actually had firearms with us and they were purely for our own safety, not for shooting animals or any Sasquatch or anything like that. But uh, yeah, that was a, a ropey moment to say the least. And of course, Brent, obviously, like we said earlier, we're not going to spend too much time talking over the film. I'm sure some of the guys want to hear some of our own stories as well. But you're, as I said, probably the biggest expert here on the film because you've seen it from top to bottom. Is there any area, Ron's listeners and potential The Woodbush fans, in your view, Brent, can look forward to? Is there any particular area that was visited in the film that really stands out in your mind? Yeah, I <laughs> I think, you know, there's so many moments throughout the whole thing that were that were really powerful and I felt were, you know, exceptional. The problem is, is that I've got like a dyslexia for names. So I can't remember the names, even though I talked about them at length in the film. But there was one area where some pretty incredible stuff happened. And what I wanted to comment on is your guys' ability to stay in those moments. Even though what's going on is, you know, so incredibly powerful, I... <laughs> If it were me, I don't know where I would have been, but uh, I probably wouldn't have been holding still onto a camera. So I, I've got to give you guys a lot of credit because the scale and scope of what you're dealing with is so incredible. And uh, to just stay in the pocket, so to speak, like a football term, American football term, stay in the pocket. Well, you guys did. I mean, you stuck it out and you wrote them out and just some incredible moments that you guys were able to capture. But because you didn't get squeamish. You didn't get squirmy. You guys just stuck with the activity that was happening. And to me, that was really uh, impressive. I don't know that I would have had the fortitude to do that. I've had, I've had one, what I think was close counter with a, with a Bigfoot, and it was pretty up close and personal. And now I was 14 at the time. If you guys don't mind, I'll just go over that quick. But yeah. just to give you uh, an idea of something I, I experienced, I was 14 at the time. And a good friend of mine, and I'm so glad somebody was with me because if this had happened alone, I don't know, I probably would have stroked out and been found in the woods somewhere. But we were hiking up this hill that was just behind our house, which is a, a state forest area in Minnesota. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. 
ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And we hiked up to the top of the hill, and it was something we did regularly. And uh, I grew up in this area, grew up in these woods, and never, you know, saw anything or experienced anything that I thought was different than the norm. Uh, this is southern Minnesota, so like the biggest thing we got in the woods is white-tailed deer. Or so uh, there's no big creatures roaming around that I knew of. And uh, we're coming down the hill because it was getting late, and we had to get down before nightfall. And we got to this dried-up waterfall. And we, we stopped to rest and we're kind of surveying the, the way down because it was a bit steep and hairy in some spots. So you got to take your time and be careful. But we're standing there on this waterfall and he and I are side by side, just looking down. And the next thing we know, there's a deep, incredibly deep uh, growling just behind us, just from out of nowhere. And it's, and it's so deep that it is vibrating my body. I'm feeling it as much as I'm hearing it. Now, again, this is a woods that I was very familiar with all my life. And suddenly there was something there that was making a noise that I just couldn't comprehend. And we both were just frozen, not because we couldn't move, but because in my mind, what was making that noise was going to kill me. I was certain that I was in the last moments of my life because I'd never heard anything like that before. <laughs> so I didn't dare turn around. I didn't want to turn around because whatever was making that noise was going to kill me. And I didn't want to see what that looked like. I was going to just, that was going to be my, my moment of, of peace and the whole thing. Like, well, I didn't see it coming. <laughs> so, but we froze in that moment. And, and, and I said, what, what is that? And he said, I don't know, but we got to get out of here. <laughs> and, and so we made the choice because you like either got fight or flight and, and fight, whatever was making that noise was nowhere near my fight category. So it was only flight. That was the only option we had. So we literally ran down this hill and in a boulder fields and stuff, just literally running and bouncing and, and going for our lives. Well, we made it obviously, but I, I didn't have the, 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 and now granted I was 14, but just even remembering that now still makes me kind of tremble because the, the power of those moments just can't be understated. Those, you know, it's easy for, people to look at a screen and see something or look on a, you know, on a television and see something and, you know, have, have ideas. Well, I would have done this, but when you're in those moments, they are so adrenalized. They are so potent and powerful. And now I, I can't say for sure. I saw a Bigfoot, but I'm pretty sure that that's what it was. Cause there's nothing in the area that matches that. And years later, I started learning about Bigfoot. I realized they weren't just in the Pacific Northwest and they are all over the place. And then, started looking around in that same area and found tree breaks and little structures and stuff, which, you know, may or may not be, but it was the only thing that made sense. So you, what I was really impressed again with was that you guys were in those kind of moments and, and you, you really handled it amazingly. Of course, Brent, obviously you became an avid researcher yourself. Yeah. Since, since you, you've, you've had that initial account when you were young, obviously. Yeah, I, I don't know if I would ever qualify myself as a researcher, but I definitely have an incredible interest and in, in hunger for, you know, knowledge about it and, you know, trying to understand what it was, what it is, what it, you know, what's going on around us. 
that we obviously don't know a lot about. But yeah. Yeah. Back to Jim. Maybe Jim hasn't fell asleep. Have you, Jim? No. No, I'm still here. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> but anyway, guys, Jim Bradley, of course, is the new president of the Irish Bigfoot Research Organization. And as, as Jim mentioned briefly earlier, Ron Madden is now his vice president. And Jim actually and Ron both took up their roles on the last major day. Of, I wasn't going to say the last day of filming for the Woodbush because there has been a few reshoots and more reshoots and other different different reshoots from that, mainly for recreations and those sort of things and just little roundups at the end of the film or whatever, um, maybe additional shots here and there I need removed and fixed and those sort of things. But Jim and Ron actually took up their positions as we finished filming in the big dog on the Lock Iron area. Jim, that was obviously a big choice, even for part one of the series. Obviously, it was a given that we were going to go there, but this film, obviously, a good bulk of that is obviously in that area. Yes, indeed. Uh, we spent uh, four days on that location. Even though it was summertime, we got restricted. Uh, we got some bad weather, and uh, it did restrict us going to the areas that we wanted to go. Loch Erne is full of uh, these little islands uh, that were virtually uninhabited. There was, I think there's a couple of hundred of them. They're, they're, they're very uh, close to the shore. Some of them are maybe 200 yards by 200 yards square. Uh, some of them are much, much bigger. Some of them are now further. Uh, it's a massive, massive area. But uh, we, our intention was to try and investigate as many of those as we could. There was initially that uh, we spent four days there. And uh, what we got, as I was planning to say, was would make the hair stand on your back. It was amazing, the footage we got. And uh, we did, uh, as Brent was saying, that uh, we have a tendency to, to run. That's the feeling I got I wanted to do. But uh, we hung around and waited and... Uh, we got some amazing footage, and uh, the bravest man amongst us all is uh, our cameraman, that seventeen-year-old Ben, Ben Kiernan. He's our cameraman during this whole thing. When all of us are backing off, Ben will be going forward. He's very—he has uh, nerves of steel, and uh, for a seventeen-year-old young man, he's uh, he's very good. But I would like to bring us to last week, Chris when we were filming a couple of finishing uh, sequences that we wanted to do only a couple of days ago when uh, we were filming, all we needed to do was film uh, about five minutes of footage and it took us about five, six hours to do. We had an incident where we heard uh, some noise, whether it was a tree break or a tree knock, I'm not sure. I think Chris heard it better than I did. But uh, from that moment on, I was in front of the camera and I couldn't get five words together. Chris then took over and he was similar to me. We couldn't get anything done. I got a severe headache. Chris felt unwell, got a headache as well. And uh, it took us a long time. Brent came on camera that night. We were doing some more filming. But uh, from that moment on, I felt very ill and I ended up uh, driving the long journey home. Very, very ill indeed. And uh, Chris did inform me when he got home. He did message me saying that he also felt the same. So uh, I'd like just like to get Chris's opinion on that. Yeah, well, the last shoot was last Monday. And Brent was due to come on at 6.30 p.m. our time. And I had sent Brent a message by that stage saying that we were 
running late and then Ron and he was down in Limerick so we didn't expect him to travel so far just for a, a shot that would literally take two minutes to do for him and of course all of that as Jim said was very difficult to even do we had a few scenes to shoot before we done um, the roundup with both Brent and Ron and those initial scenes as Jim said Jim tried it I don't know many times but there was 32 minutes of footage on the camera and we still hadn't completed a two-minute shot and then I had taken over as well as Jim said I'd actually got to the point where I said listen I better get back on the Brent Ron here and I told him listen guys will be at least an hour or whatever it was I said or give them a rough time by that sort of stage we were sort of feeling right what's going on here but as Jim said I think Jim was on a on about maybe his second or third attempt. And the first couple of attempts were genuine mess ups. There was no nothing sinister at that point. It was just literally you know, one of those things where we were making bloopers and stuff and I even I was even carrying on at that point. I tried to do it and I was laughing and and carrying on as you do. But I think Jim had run off just to, to get something in the car, out of the car, whatever it was. And I heard a large crack in the woods just behind us. And it wouldn't have been no more than 40 or 50 feet away from us. And it was clearly something big that made that crack. Something bigger than a deer, for sure. And probably within, within a short period of time, I started getting a sore head. And Jim felt the same. And by this stage then, everything that we tried to do was extremely difficult. And it ended up that we had to go for... Jim actually had to, had to meet a guy in between filming. And we went off to meet him. And it wasn't until after that where we actually got our head. Now, we, were, we both were feeling pretty down. You know, I was sort of awful sore head. And I wasn't feeling as confused then, but I was feeling a little bit not well it's hard to explain but not well but certainly my belief is that we were hit by infrasound and it's one of those things Vic I've already talked about it with you in the past that happened to me in the past but it was slightly different it wasn't just as extreme as what I had in the past but I think personally that if a Bigfoot tries to do that with somebody it may not just affect multiple persons as much as, as what it would one person, I'm not sure whether they can focus that on their prey or a subject or whatever the case is, but obviously they had to do it with both of us. So it didn't have the full effect as what it usually does. I mean, the, the other times that I, I got it, I actually thought I was taking a heart attack, but this was bad enough to say the least. Yeah. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match, with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, 
according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Yeah, we did. Uh, as I said, uh, we felt extremely ill and I got home. It was late that night. I got home. I went to bed. And the pain behind my eyes was, you know, it was intense. The headache I had and uh, nausea. And it was only, to, as Chris said, uh, I, I was messaging uh, Chris. It was after midnight. This was hours after we got, you know, an hour or two after we got home. So I asked him. He said the same thing. He didn't feel well at all. And he said, we'd sleep on it. I had a terrible time trying to sleep. But eventually in the morning I woke up and it was like I had two pokers that were stuck into my eyes and pain was still there, but not as intense. But during the day it went away. But uh, I just find it unbelievable that the two of us got it at exactly the same time. I could not put five words together, a simple five word sentence. I could not do on that night. And we were looking at one another and said, what's wrong? There's something wrong. And uh, we both agreed that we didn't know where the time went. Uh, there was two hours that went by in like two minutes and we don't know where it went. Uh, we just, it's, I'm just baffled. I don't think it was anything to do with aliens or anything that got there. No, 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 no. It was I'm just pure, pure confusion because the time was there on the camera, Jim, to match up the time that we'd been there. Yeah. And um, that's one thing that I did notice, but I think it was just pure confusion. Any other persons who I've spoke to that have had infrasound from a Bigfoot have said the same thing, that it does cause a lot of confusion. And I suppose it's the same thing that taggers actually use that as well. So it's nothing strange, really. In my view, it's just a technique that they use to disable their prey, or in our case, disable us, confuse us, and basically ask us nicely to go home without throwing a brick on or a rock on our head. <laughs> yeah, I just felt that uh, I'd lost track of time, and, and it just seemed to all of a sudden it was bright, and then it was dark, and and it's. I just don't know where it went. It was very strange. I never felt like that sick so quick. And uh, I don't normally, I'm not, uh, not one of these guys that get sick normally. I have asthma, all right, but uh, uh, not as that's how quick it came on. But it was the two of us. It wasn't just one, it was the two of us at the same time. Yeah. But uh, I want to bring it back to Brent here before we go back to Ron. Jim, Brent, you have actually now, well, you've obviously, you're the narrator for the film, but you have actually taken up. Ron's role as the independent adjudicator. Now, obviously, we're not going to tell the guys what you've actually independent adjudicated, but you have actually, last week after that incident, 
took place. You have stepped up because you're independent, because you're over in Idaho, you're nowhere near Ireland. You weren't here during filming to see what went on. So you actually got the chance to look at the evidence independently. Mm-hmm. I did. You guys got some uh, pretty amazing things. And without going into specifics, it's just uh, having an idea of what should be there or what is expected to be there. And then what you guys captured, I, I think that you've got some really solid evidence. It's uh, pretty poignant. And Ron, obviously you're an avid researcher yourself. Now you're vice president of the Irish Bigfoot Research Organization now. And you've actually found a couple of areas pretty close to home. And maybe even yesterday, I think, you you came across some evidence. Yeah. The last three, four months especially, I've been researching more so in my neck of the woods, which would be more central parts of the country and off towards the Midwest as well. Big areas there, not very populated. Even the place I was at yesterday, they seem to be connected up to Bogland and further go on then to Loch Derg, which is a big loch, just maybe south central of the country if you're looking at a map, which is actually linking up with the Shannon River, which is the biggest river in Ireland. And that travels all the way up to actually where we were on our last investigation. Even yesterday, I found loads of deer, all different lakes and everything. But um, yeah, the last few months have been very interesting, to say the least. Yeah. And just yesterday, Rod, I think you came across a big axe structure, yeah? Yeah, a fairly big one, yeah. I just happened to be in one area and I just went in. You could have said I went in at the back end of it, but lots of deer inside there as well. And... I actually spotted the X from the roadway as I was driving in. And it was actually a, a tree bend as well, but 50-50 on it. It was fairly big now, but it was just natural or made by something else, but pointing in the more or less the same direction as where I came upon the X structure. Uh, mm-hmm. found one or two tree snaps as well. But again, with the wind and where it was, it's still 50-50, but that X was uh, was sticking out like a, a sore thumb, you could say. Mm. Well, one thing I would like to say, Vic, before I pass it back to Jim here, during filming of the Woodbush, one of the methods that we've incorporated into this is a boat. Because of the Lock Iron and Big Dog area is basically surrounded by lake lands, and because the ground terrain itself in the area is so difficult to navigate, and even the roads that are there are, they just might as well not be there. They're really that bad. So we had a few scouting trips and stuff like we always do. And we initially thought about camping out in the area, but that was a complete no with the ground terrain. So the boat idea came into play. And that was able to give us access to any any of the islands. There's as Jim mentioned, there's about two hundred. There's actually hundred and eighty six islands on lower Loch Erin alone. And I think upper Loch Erin is maybe something similar. But there the range from two or three miles, some of the islands, till right down to a few hundred yards or whatever. And I think eighty five percent of them are forested. 
of course, the area surrounded by Big Dog Forest. It's got Kalider Forest on the northern tip. It's got forest like Castle Archdale and stuff down the eastern side. So it, it's basically, well, it's really surrounded north and west, especially because you've got Big Dog, Loch Navier Forest and different Boho Forest right down that area and Kalider at the top. So it's a massive, massive area and it's a highly active area. So I think the best way for us to do it was to get the boat and maybe able to stop off where we wanted. And one of the things that, that I did see, which sort of put back a little bit, to be honest, because I wasn't expecting it, and we were cruising along in the boat. I think we were in between locations or whatever we were doing. Or maybe we'd been for food supplies or something like that. I can't remember exactly where we have been previous to that, but we're, at, we're, we're heading to our next location, I know that. And driving up, I think we're up sort of... Um, who are on the western side of, of Loch Erne. And I think young Ben or Ron or one of those guys was driving the boat at the time. And I had sat out the back of the boat and we had a little porch out the back of the boat and I sat down with a, with a can of can of um, soda or whatever and lit a cigarette and just happened to glance to my left and at one of the islands. Of course, they're nearly all forested. There's only a couple, I think, Maybe Davenish Island, maybe is one of the only ones that's not forested. Um, maybe a couple in the northern sector, and that's it. But cruising along in the boat, as you do, and having a cigarette, calmly looking out the side of the boat, as you do, and happen to glance over at one of the islands, and seeing what you would class as your typical Bigfoot. Absolutely huge, at least 10 foot tall, standing and looking right at me. And we were only probably... 300 yards from the shore and the thing that stood out with me um, I sort of seen it from about the breast and the chest up um, shoulders and head and just looking directly at me and as the boat passed by the island the head just turned with the boat so it was watching us that's powerful really powerful and I think Jim you had something similar yourself I mean, not on the same day, but you definitely had something similar yourself. Yeah, it was a different day. Uh, there was uh, the same sort of thing. We were traveling between islands, and uh, it could be 45, 50 minutes till you get to the new location to uh, to film. So we were, somebody was, we, we'd all take turns of driving the boat. So I was on the back, uh, chilling out there, with, uh, uh, just watching the waves go by. It was a beautiful, sunny day. But I had my binoculars, a really good pair of binoculars on the back, and uh, I was uh, using the boat as my viewing angle. So I had my knees up and I had my binoculars fixed on the islands as I was going by, and the islands were just shooting by nice and slow. And I wasn't panning around. I was just in a fixed position, letting the boat do all the work. And at one stage, uh, on the it would be the back left-hand side of the boat. I was looking across. Maybe it was 150, 200 yards going by this island and what I saw was clearly and clearly what looked like a giant orangutan on all fours in the classic chimpanzee pose looking straight at me with the you know up on the back legs and the front arms down with the hands on the ground looking at me and it had uh, it was red in color 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law, 18 plus, terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hair, it was lots of hair on it, with red in color, and it seemed to have. Literally, you know, the orangutan classic face, it was uh, hanging down a little bit on both sides, whether that was hair or beard or whatever, I don't know. But uh, I did say at the time to Chris, uh, Chris, come, you know, but how can you stop and reverse on the boat? You know, it's a big enough boat. It's, uh, so it's, at that time, I just I got about a two-second glimpse of it. So before I tried to look back, but we had gone past that area. And it was impossible to turn because the currents, the way they were. So I did at that time explain to the guys at what I'd seen. And uh, yeah, that's what I've seen. And I'll, as the saying goes, I'll take it to my grave. But uh, that's what I saw. And then, Ron, of course, I think it was our second night investigation in between shots again. The, the second and the final night investigation, actually, Ron, on one of those peninsulas that we had chosen that there was a few happenings and goings on in between shots there as well. Yeah, there was a constant activity. The first night more so for me because I was in control of the parabolic mic and as soon as we rolled up to our first location, even before we started filming, I think yourself and Ben were setting up the cameras. I had the parabolic mic out because I was just waiting around basically for you to get your stuff together and straight away I could hear movements inside the the woods listening to stories and people say especially stateside join up in Canada I nearly class myself as a bit of a fraud because literally stepping out of the car five minutes into the woods and I'm getting activity (laughs) the second night was it was a different kind of a feeling for me 
I had seen a lot more behind what was actually happening with the cameras, especially when one or two lights, especially. But yeah, there's very active, very active place. I know at one point as well, Ron, on the second night, on the final night investigation, that I can't remember what exactly was going on, but it was in between shooting anyway, in between filming, and we were possibly getting maybe ready to film the last few um, bits that we, we chat before we left the area or something like that. But I think we'd actually film the main shoot at that point. And you had left your boot open because I had put some of the equipment in your boot of the car, and you had left the boot open. And the way I'm sure you know, Brent, guys, Jim, there, the way the wee lights in your trunk, as they would call it in, in the States, my apologies, uh-huh. the, the little lights in the trunk would shine off a little bit of a glare, even in black darkness. Uh-huh. And I had just turned my, my head slightly, and just at the side of my eye, I seen something running behind Ron's car. And I think I think Ron or Jim or Ben or one of the guys, can't remember who, but they said they heard, they heard, I think it was maybe Ben said he heard the running. But he didn't see it, but he heard the running. But I clearly seen something big flash behind Ron's car. Mm-hmm. That's what always mystifies me too, is just the the size of these things uh being yeah. able to move so incredibly stealthily. That just blows my mind. Of course, Brent as well. Uh before before I round up, actually I'm sure Vic's got a few questions for us, but I know people don't want things spite. We've already said people don't want things spite. But is there any particular part of the film, Brent, for yourself, you know, that really stands out? Apart from maybe the actual bit where things happen, maybe, is there any part of the film or any location in the film that you can remember off the top of your head which really stands out for you? Yeah, I like the uh, Big Dog Forest uh, segment was really powerful um, when you first got in there. I just love the variety of things that you guys use techniques that you use throughout the whole thing. And, and you know, there wasn't any one favorite part. It was just all a favorite part for me because um, you, you guys kept coming at it. So you, what I figured was uniquely um, you didn't ever take one, one approach. You, you just were very dynamic with it and uh, pursued it from, from so many different angles, not only the traditional, but the, the, in, the inclusion of a lot of the, the technology in this film, I thought was phenomenal and uh, just made the research so much more comprehensive now, I, I loved where it started off first, too, when you guys were checking out the eyeshine from part one. I, I just thought, wow, that's really cool. You've brought in so much more. Uh, you, know, you had so many more tools in the box this time, and uh, it allowed you guys to really uh, attack this from so many different angles. And I think that it really showed and created just a, a really comprehensive overview of what it's like. Is there any brand? Uh, you've obviously seen the whole thing that was said. I'm a- as you've mentioned, we used a lot of different methods throughout the show to try and uh, initiate some sort of a response from a Bigfoot or a Woodbush or, or whatever, a Greyman, whatever we were dealing with at the time. Um, is there any particular method that we've used maybe in the film, Brent, that you would maybe take home and use it for yourself? Well, <laughs> there's always a, some of the stuff you use is is incredible. Like uh, I love I love the use of the drone because the the way you guys utilize it it wasn't just singularly like it wasn't just, Hey, we're going to go up really high and look around. 
you guys utilized it in such a way as to make it a part of the investigation and to help aid the investigation. I thought that was incredibly innovative. And, and I liked that you came at it from that way, that it wasn't just uh, uh, something up there flying in the sky. You, you guys used it to your advantage to try to elicit activity. And I thought that was brilliant. Of course, Brent, obviously, them sort of things obviously interest a Bigfoot, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what that is, you know, whether they think this is a big bee buzzing around the woods or is it the little lights that they're interested in or what. But obviously, there, there is some sort of an attraction there because that did help uh, bring in the Aidlow in part one of the series. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, well, that's brilliant. I, I, I really... I really liked that that was part of, of your toolbox and your approach. You know, a lot of people just throw those things up in the air and look around and then they bring them back down. But you guys used it in such a fashion as it was be a part. And, and it was like in having an extra man on the team, you know? Yeah. And of course, that takes patience but, and, and time too. And probably, you know, like you say, most people to pedal up in the air and they bring it back down and then they bring it home. But yeah. I think patience is the, is, is the virtue. And, to continually fly the drone around and a known active area and fly it round and round and round and round is definitely going to f- attract attention from something, you know? Yeah, yeah. I agree. You, even other people, if they're in the area, be like, who's flying that drone? <laughs> yeah, who's the madman driving this drone around in circles for hours? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Before I ask some pointed questions, Chris, I'm going to ask a broader one. Where'd the name Woodwoose come from? Woodwoose is the European name for Bigfoot. The ancient name would be Woodwaza, but it sort of um, came into the English language as Woodwoose, I suppose, in the probably Middle Ages, maybe. It's only it's only one name, like like just like you guys have in North America, Vic. It's only one name out of many names for the same thing. Like just as you guys have the wood booger, squatch, skunk ape, all these different things, the American almas, all those names that are out there, it's exactly the same here. And um, we have, well, we believe we have two species here. We believe we have the wood the woodwoose type, which is generally reported to be in between a Neanderthal and a chimp, sort of in looks. Maybe not in height, of course. It's probably a lot bigger and broader. But the facial features are reported in between that category. And then, of course, you have the gray man type, which is basically the Irish Sasquatch. Um, it's much, much bigger, much, much wider. Um, it's it, it has the name the gray man. But, of course, it's not always grey. It's just the older ones that are grey, supposedly. But that would be more in line and more famous in the Cairngorm Mountains in Scotland and Ben McDewey in particular. But, of course, the grey man is sighted all over Britain and all over Ireland. And we actually have one in our local area here, which has been seen five times in the past 18 months, So, um, which is generally known to be a woodboost territory as well. But yes, the woodwoose comes from the old term Woodawaza, and it's believed to be the same um, early man type Neanderthal type Bigfoot that roams um, parts of Russia as well. 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Well, one thing's for sure, no matter where you go, there's always going to be a lot of different names for them. Brent, you said you felt honored when you were asked to narrate this new documentary, but did you have any reservations before you actually agreed to do it? Well, I, I don't know that I did. I, I think I, I felt it was, yeah, since I didn't have any uh, previous real experience with narrating anything, I mean, I've been doing the, the paranormal portal for a long time, but you know, it's a different deal when you're jumping into a project with other people. And I guess if there was any reservations, it's not really knowing how that process would work. Would everything gel? Would I be an asset to it? Would Could I, you know, add something to it that would really help uh, the overall project? And so I think for me, it was more personal apprehensions, not, uh, you know, not being excited. I was absolutely thrilled, of course, to be asked, but it's one of those things that I, I didn't have an experience to draw on. It's like, uh, will I will I do a good job? <laughs> will I be an asset to this, or you know, am I gonna, are they going to you know is it going to complicate things? So uh, I think just the trepidation and the unknowns are probably the big thing when you jump into something like this. But but I, I absolutely it was honored because you know somebody's telling you, hey, we want to listen to you, <laughs> and that's not not common in today's world. So I was really honored that they wanted to listen to me throughout their project. So that was a, it was a great experience. So I just can't, uh, I can't thank them enough for allowing me to be a part of it. 
Well, listening to you speak and the way you talk, I can understand why they asked you. I think they picked the right man. Oh, thank you, brother. You're welcome. You are welcome. Ron, being asked to come on the project as an adjudicator who didn't have much knowledge on the subject of focusing the documentary, did you have any reservations? Um, I was more excited about actually going up uh, the first day for myself uh, to see exactly what was behind all this. As soon as I had made my own investigations myself, I started getting very excited. So I didn't have reservations about going forward. I was actually more so excited about it. Considering the fact that you didn't really know much at all about Sasquatch, I'm sure you just dove in with both feet and you tried to find out and learn as much as you possibly could, didn't you? Well, yeah, I had an interest in the field for a, a few years and my focus was more so what was happening in America and Canada. Not so much around Asia, but more so over there because that was more more so in the mainstream. I was kind of interested in the scientific side of things then as well, which uh, I find Dr. Jeff Meldrum very interesting on his take on it. Um, I wasn't of the belief that we'd have much activity in Europe, never mind, say, Ireland or the UK. So I had to kind of see for myself as well what the guys had produced, say, from the first documentary, because it was actually somebody from the UK pointed me towards that. And it was a real eye-opener. So as soon as I started um, getting involved with the guys and speaking to him, I was focused and excited about going up there. And from the first day on then, it's been a great journey. Well, it sounds like it. Listening to all four of you interact, it sounds like you're a really good team. And I don't think you could have done any better when you decided who to have join you in this project. Chris, did you make any notably different approaches to presenting evidence in this new documentary, The Woodwows, than you took in Walking with the Wild Man? Yeah, well, obviously, we didn't want to repeat ourselves too much, um, you know, because people were saying, oh, you're using the same thing, same thing, whatever, whatever. Of course, there is certain methods that all Bigfoot researchers use that are used all the time. But the big difference, I think, this time, Vic, to be honest, was the equipment that we had to shoot the documentary. And the first one, we only had, well, we had infrared cameras and stuff like that, but they were only the the basic infrared filters that were on the cameras themselves. So the great addition that we have had this time, which the viewers or, or your listeners will, will see if they watch the, the film in December, when it comes out, they will see the benefit of this. And we actually attached separate AR illuminators to the cameras, which paid off big time. Sounds to me like you learned a lot of lessons the first time around. So far, you've produced two documentaries, Jim. Looking forward, where do you go from here? Yeah, Vic, we are, uh, have considered uh, part three. And uh, I think that's uh, basically my decision, being president of the organization. I have decided that we definitely need to head back to uh, Big Dog and Lock Aaron, uh, as for people that's, that's it's in the 
that's where we were the four days on uh, part two of our journey on this uh, documentary. Part three, I think it's crucial that we go back as we didn't get a chance to fully investigate that entire area due, due to weather. But definitely uh, going forward for people that don't know Big Dog, this is an area in Ireland where uh, it's been noted on several occasions where trees, big trees have been ripped from their roots, turned upside down, broken and jammed into the ground. Uh, I'm not talking about little trees, big trees, big, big trees that were turned upside down physically. And there's no place you could get these. This place is so dense. You wouldn't get uh, a four by four uh, as in the, uh, motorcycles or any it's 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 just impossible it's just impossible walking we spent eight hours up there trying to find a place to camp and we couldn't get it it was that uh, rugged uh, we just wanted a little bit of flat land where we could do a bit of filming and camp out we spent eight hours going around uh, yeah myself and uh, chris on our first day up there doing a bit of recon on the area trying to find an area that we could uh, organize to uh, set up and it turned out to be a disaster it was so rugged and so dense and uh, absolutely a beautiful, amazing area. It covers such a such such a vast area, and it all backs down onto the Loch Erin lakes there, north and south. So we did uh, try our best to try and find a location. We didn't, we couldn't. But yeah, part three is uh, definitely, definitely, definitely on the books. It just uh, we have decided that we have a few things to do on part two to finish it up. But uh, we're talking about maybe starting part three in around the end of March next year. So uh, we're really, really looking forward to that. Well, you're not the only one. And I hope this journey doesn't end with part three. I hope many more yet to follow. But having said that, I want to thank you gentlemen so much for coming on and telling us about this new documentary. I really appreciate it. It's been a pleasure, uh, Vic. As you know, love the show. And uh Always uh, listen to it. Thank you very much for having us all back. It's been a pleasure. You know you're welcome. Thanks again so much. Have a great night. That's it for another episode of Bigfoot Eyewitness Radio with Vic Cundiff. If you've had a Sasquatch encounter and would like to be a guest on the show, please go to BigfootEyewitness.com and submit a report. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. Have a great night. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 